Welcome to the DHG podcast series with a focus on life beyond numbers with topics about people, careers and flexibility. And now, here's your host, our Director of Corporate Communications and All Things Fun, Alice Gray Harrison. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our DHG podcast series. I'm Alice Gray Harrison, your host, and I love this venue because we get to hear from our team members about the things that matter the most to them, flexibility, careers, and people. We're celebrating Women's History Month and DHG's focus on inclusion and diversity. According to the AICPA, women make up 50% of accounting graduates entering the profession for the last 20 years, but here's the facts. They only make up about 19% of partners. Bringing awareness to this issue, understanding work styles and unconscious bias, and building an inclusive culture for everyone is at the top of DHG's goals. So much so that we have a Women Forward program which supports our people strategy and fosters learning and leadership among both our women and our men. Today I have with me Jennifer George, a partner in our professional standards group. She has a demanding career and a very busy life outside of work with two young boys, and she manages it all beautifully. As we celebrate Women's History Month, I just thought it would be interesting to sit down and talk with one of our female leaders about barriers to success and what she's done to move past those barriers. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Okay, so you have a really interesting job as a member of our professional standards group. Tell us about what it is that you do at DHG and what attracted you. You recently joined us. So what what attracted you to DHG? What attracted me to DHG was really the people. I knew several of the people here that I'd worked with on different committees through the CAQ or the AICPA. So I was familiar with the people here. And ultimately, it was the culture. Whenever I was looking to make a change, that is very important to me, is is the people and the culture and also the firm's reputation within the industry. Sure. You know, coming in, signing on as a partner, you're taking on a certain amount of liability. Right. So you want to look and understand that the firm has a great reputation in the profession, which ours does, and it was known for the great culture. And just coming here, and and I remember when I was interviewing, I got to interview with both Matt Snow and Ken Hughes at the time. And just talking to them, you could just get a sense of the culture here, because that's really where it comes from. So I've been here for a little over a year now, and I've just been thrilled. So happy to be here. That's awesome. So professional standards group for those listening who have no clue what that is. Tell us what you do as part of that group. Up in that ivory yeah, tower in exactly. that group that sits up there with y'all too. <laughs> well, I work in a professional standards group and my focus in the professional standards group is mainly on public companies. So anybody that's got to file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. I deal with mostly filing and reporting requirements, issues. If any of our clients have to deal with the SEC, go to them with an independence consultation, Mm -hmm. get a comment letter, God forbid, get an enforcement letter. I I deal with a lot of that side of it. I also focus on broker-dealers because we do have a small broker-dealer practice Mm -hmm. that's kind of getting scoped into that area. And then I'm starting to dabble a little bit in the private equity world as far as it deals with the SEC regulations and independence rules and that sort of thing. So kind of a little bit. And that mirrors communications, Mm -hmm. work papers, dealing with our regulators since we do audit public companies. Kind of the spectrum. I grew up on the audit side working on large public banks, financial services company. So So I think that one of the interesting (laughs) things about that is that you can't 
really predict your schedule or what's going to come when. Oh, no. No. We all we all laugh because I have my list of tasks that I have going on. <laughs> but then what I want to get done that day. I always plan. But then you also have to realize your phone could call. Could, and you pick it up yeah. and it's somebody who's who's got an urgent issue. Clients got it, you know, a letter from the SEC is freaking out, doesn't know how to respond, yes. how to deal with that. And so, you know, the next thing I know, I'm on the phone call with a client for two hours talking through the letter with them, trying to give them some background of how it's going to work and what they're asking, you know, and put them on. So, so yeah, you know what you want to get done that day. It's not always what right. happens. <laughs> right. So one of the barriers to the advancement of women in the profession is the lack of visible role models. And I I personally at DHG think we have a, a large number of really amazing women leaders who are role models. The ASCPA says that women hold, you know, only 19% of partner positions, as I mentioned. How have you overcome this barrier and what are you doing to remove future barriers or barriers for future generations rather? You know, that... That's a really big issue, I feel like, for our folks and for our young women is the number of role models because not not everyone has access right. to, to a role model like that. And, you know, I know coming up in my career, that was a big thing is, is one, finding a role model, but two, one that, that emulates what you want. Yes. I had a woman partner that I worked for, and she was amazing, amazing to work for. I loved her. But she wasn't married. She didn't have kids. And those were things that I wanted. So it was really hard to look at her and say, your life was going to emulate hers. Yeah. Because yeah. like, I was like, oh, that's not exactly what I want. Right. So I, I do think that's difficult to, to, to find someone mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I was trying to look back and think about, I mean, there are women out there, even if it's not necessarily women you work for. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to look at them and know it's, you can have it all. You can't. It's not going to look perfect. It's not going to look pretty, but you can. So then you have to decide what is it that you want. And I think you have to remember that ultimately at the end of the day, you're responsible for your career. And so good or bad, you can look at it either way of not having those women role models ahead of you is you can kind of do your own thing. What do you want to do and go after it and have a voice for yourself and know what you want to do. And I feel like now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, where I feel like, you know, I'm kind of in a role to help. One, I tried to be visible Mm -hmm. to others and make myself available, you know, to people because when they ask that question, can you have it all and how do you do it? I think that answer changes. It's such a loaded question. What is all? Yeah. I'm always like, what do you mean by all? What what do you want? And and go after it, you know, ask for it. And I think that was a lot of my career is I didn't have anybody ahead of me. So when I think of the people who did help me, they were mostly men. Mm-hmm. But you had, I had to, some of the things that I wanted to do, I had finally had to just say, I want to do that. How can I do that? Tell me how to get yes. there because I want to be part of that or I want to do that or I want to have that opportunity. And I think we sometimes as women have a hard time voicing that. Yeah. You know, we wait for somebody to recognize us or pick us and that's just not always going to happen, even if you're perfectly qualified and yes. would be a great person for it. You sometimes just have to raise your hand and say, listen, I want to do that too. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I sat down with Gary Thompson, one of our leaders who I used to work directly for, and he, you know, was asking me, this was years ago, he's like, where do you want to be? What do you want to do? And when I told him, he goes, really? I'm shocked. 
I had no idea what I thought you wanted to do was X and you're telling me why. And so I think that, that you raise such a great point about you really have to share what it is that you want, because if you don't, you're leaving it up to chance. Yeah. Great, great point there. So, you know, another barrier is the tremendous amount of demands in the profession. You oh. just talked about your schedule and how, you know, your day can get completely derailed. Your mom, your wife, you're a leader at DHG. And so how do you get it all done? And, you know, what are some of the ways that you're able to manage career demands with family responsibilities? Challenging. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm failing on all fronts. <laughs> <laughs> I treat work and my home life very similar. And I recognized that once I had kids and a husband and a household run, you know, like everybody says, so you're the CEA of the house. And, you know, people laugh. Somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So at, from a home life perspective, I do very much like we do here. We have family meetings where we sit down and talk about what we have going on for the week. I've, you know, being the type A and I'm an accountant, so I have an Excel spreadsheet that I put together for our family <laughs> that's a weekly Excel spreadsheet and it has everything on it that everybody's got going on. You know, my husband works as well. So, I mean, we both have to figure out what do we have going on for work or either one of us traveling? What are the boys' activities? They both... Boys have two different sporting activities plus, you know, school of rock and everything else that they've got to be at. So we have that schedule and we, we try to sit down on Sundays and say, okay, family meeting, what do we have going on this week? What's on the schedule? Everything has to be on the schedule. You can't say you didn't know because it was on the schedule. And then you, you look at your list of to-dos just like you do here and say, yeah. Okay, what's the highest and best use of my time? What do I have to do? What can I delegate, whether it's to my husband or, or the kids, yeah. to say, you guys need to do this or can you take care of this? And, you know, I treat my husband like, you know, I would treat like a manager <laughs> here. I'm like, okay, you uh, you own this boy's sports. You are the sports dad. You love sports. It's all on you. So. Making sure the boys, we know when their games are, when their practices are, that they've got the right shoes, if they need new socks. That's my husband's. And I carve it out and I don't leave it on my calendar to go Mm -hmm. back to him and say, did you do this? Did you do this? Because then it's not really off my plate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I decided, you know what? If the boys don't have the right socks when we get to the soccer game, you know what? Nobody's going to die over it. Yep. It's not that big a deal. And so I think... You know, doing that whole delegating, family meetings, the schedule. And then the other thing is to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. You know, if if you need time to do something, and that works both ways. If I'm busy with work and sometimes get overwhelmed with everything that I have going on, you know, I sit down and I just say, you guys, I have a lot going at work. I need to get caught up. And Tuesday night, I'm going to work late. And they're just like, okay. Yeah. They have they order pizza. And- yeah. Have they a great time. not to call me and ask me, when are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? <laughs> That's terrific. And I can just stay here and I can stay late and I don't feel guilty because we've already scheduled it. We've talked about it and nobody's bothering me. You know, so those are just the little things to do and hiring a cleaning lady. Yeah. You know, I've had a cleaning lady forever, even before I could really afford it. But that was one of those things that I said, you know what, for my personal sanity mm-hmm. and to be able to spend time with my kids, I'm like, we're just going to budget for it. Yeah. I don't want to spend my Saturday mornings cleaning our house. I want to hang out with my kids. I'm at work during the week. Yeah. That, you know, that's my priority. And I think sometimes you have to make some of those 
decisions yeah. of two of what, what can I delegate and what can I hire out, even yeah. if, you know, at a, as a manager, you know, we had to really budget where we spent our money. And I'm fortunate now that we, you know, as partners, we make good money. And that's kind of what I always told myself. <laughs> next, year, <laughs> next year, I'll make, make more money and it won't be such a, a tightness. But yeah, you Those do. You, do. Have you have to decide to. how, what is it worth? like for your sanity yeah. and to be able to be with your family. You mentioned, I'm going off script. I said I wasn't going to, oh, and yeah. I'm going to. Um, <laughs> you mentioned guilt, and that is something that a lot of females, that is an issue, a female mm-hmm. issue, not just in the accounting <laughs> profession, but all over, you know. And I I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, so being a mom is fairly new to me. Mm-hmm. But I've had to learn to manage that and realize that sometimes that guilt I shouldn't feel guilty because my child's actually having more fun without me. Yeah. She's with her grandparents and they're doing exciting things That's like going to get ice cream. She and likes it. They like it. So Yeah. And, yeah. and the other thing is then I come back and I'm able to be, as you said, I get it all done. And then I'm able to really focus on. Right. And, and that guilt thing is hard. It it's is. Hard. It is one of those things that no, even now, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years working in the profession. It still sneaks in, you know, mm-hmm. if you're at work and you feel guilty for not being at home or you go home early for something for the kids and you feel guilty yes. because you're not at work. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to sit down and you yeah. have to, you have to get that rational side of your brain and be like, listen, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one final question. What do you think is one thing we can do to break down some of the barriers of success for women in the profession? It's one thing. Oh my gosh. It, that is a great question. And I have been thinking about that because I feel like there's so many things that you can do. But when I kind of tried to think back over where I think we've made some progress, and I, I think it's education. Mm. It's making people aware of the issue. I mean, that's crazy that we have women coming in at 50%. Yeah. At staff, but we've only got 19% partners. Right. You know, and I realize this is profession isn't for everybody. And you're going to have some people that are like, I just don't want to do that. That's not what I want. But I, st- I still think there's a lot that want to. They just aren't sure that they can. And I want them to know they can. Yeah. You can do it. You can have it all. Whatever that is that you want. Don't feel like you have to sacrifice or settle yeah. or compromise. So I think a part of that is just the education to both women and, and to men. Mm-hmm. Because that whole, I know a lot of us have been through the women forward and some of the education, but that whole unconscious bias yeah. part. Huge. It is. That people don't even realize they're doing it mm-hmm. or excluding mm-hmm. or not giving women the same opportunities or just the way they think about it. Oh, so-and-so has a baby. She probably just wants to go home and and, and take care of her baby. <laughs> well, she probably does, but she also wants that opportunity right. to work on that project. Or maybe she wants not. to work on the project so she yeah, doesn't have to go home. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. It's true. My girlfriend say, how do you travel so much? I'm like, because sometimes it's a vacation, let me tell you. Yeah. But just making sure everybody's educated. And I think knowledge is power. And that also, you've got to share that knowledge mm-hmm. with others and hold your colleagues accountable. When you see it happening, you know, call it out or say, hey, I remember being so aware of being the only woman in a room. Mm. I'd walk into a meeting and there'd be 20 of us around the conference table and be like, oh my God, I'm the only woman. 
And, you know, I've worked through that, but now I'm very conscious of other things, you know. So, for example, like the Leadership Academy I did last year, which is an amazing program. But, you know, I'm very conscious, you know, talking to Kate and being like, you know, how many women do we have and yeah. how many men and yeah. how does that relate to our groups and stuff? Of, yeah. are we, do we have these opportunities? You know, when people come in with teams that we're working with, you know, understanding, are there other women, mm-hmm. you know, just being conscious of it and bringing those thoughts up to people and calling your partners out, your fellow colleagues, yeah. you know, when you see that or recognize something, I think that's another big responsibility. And, and I think, Kind of along those lines, which is another thing that I've, I've tried to do to, to be a role model, is transparency. Mm. Yeah. You know, about what you're doing and how you're handling things. Yeah. I still remember as a manager when I was first mom, if I had to leave early to go to a, to a doctor's meeting out. or soccer, I would. I would sneak out or act like I was going to a meeting or whatever, you know, because I just didn't want that, that stigma. Mm. But then as I got higher and would have conversations with people, I realized they didn't know that I was going to a soccer game or to a doctor's appointment with my child or whatever. And I was like, I'm kind of like kind of doing everybody a disservice yeah. for them not to know. So now if I'm leaving, like I walk out the front door, I'm like, I'm going, I've, I, you know, I've got a basketball game for Jack tonight or, yeah. you know, got to go home. I've been traveling for the past week. I'm going home a little early tonight to have dinner with my family, you know, is to really voicing that and letting people see that because I think that's one of the great things about our jobs and working here is that you do have that, yeah. that flexibility and, and, you know, I talked about having a great support system at home and, and having somebody that you can work with, but it's just as important sure. at work to have your colleagues who are like, yeah, go home. You're right. You've been gone a week, you know? Yeah. Don't worry I about that. I love it. that transparency because, you know, there is a lot of that. And then that's part of that, again, going back to that guilt. I'm feeling a little guilty. Yeah. So I'm just going to sneak out. Yeah. But we do have that flexibility and all of us give our fair share to everyone. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's, it it is at Matt talks about it when we talk in terms of flexibility, we're here for DHG when DHG needs us and DHG is there for us when we need to be with our family. And I think that's really important. It is that flexibility really goes two ways Mm -hmm. when there's things that we have to get done and I need to be here or be out of town. You know what? That that's fine because then, on the other side of the tables, if I have something that I need to deal with, right. you know, with my family or, or the house or whatever it may be, you know, you've got that flexibility. And I think that's really important here. But I think that's the transparency, you know, sneaking out or people see you sending emails at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I've seen both sides of that. I've had people say, oh, you should send emails out at 11 o'clock at night. That looks bad. It looks like you're working 24-7. And I'm like, well, no, not. It's because I had to leave at 430 for a doctor's appointment for yeah. my son and, you know, but I had things I had to deal with. So that's that just the other side you. of it. I went to the doctor's appointment. I had dinner with my family. I put the boys to bed and then guess what? I had things to do. So I got back on my computer for a couple hours and that's just when I happened to do it. It's yeah. not that I've been working 24 hours today. Yes. It's just, that's when I'm fitting my time in. And that's the other great thing is that flexibility to work when you can yeah. too. Yeah. So Beauty of today's technology. It really is. Beauty and curse. Well, this, <laughs> right. has been, this has been so fun. I could, I'm sure we could stay on forever talking about this, but maybe people don't want to listen to us forever because they want the flexibility to do other things. Thank you but, for being with us. Absolutely. I'm so happy to do it. And thank you all for listening to Life at DHG and joining us in our celebration of Women's History Month. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll tell your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our DHG blog for for more great stories about our life beyond numbers. 
Join us next time for another episode of Life at DHG.